Welcome to the Balanced Experience Podcast. We are talking smack with Nick and Jack. Hello, hello. How the fuck are you, Jack? How the fuck are you? <laughs> it's a good way to start. There's a check-in. Check-in. We'll start with a little check-in. Yeah, I'm good, Nico. Um, pretty busy at the moment, which is good. And yeah, it's nice. The weather's starting to warm up a little bit. Ooh, yeah. Which is, very, which is nice. And yeah, just been busy in the clinic and um, playing a bit of golf. And Yeah, right. Yeah. How's the knee holding up? The knee's holding up pretty good, actually. It's been, um, it's funny, like, it's probably been in the best space it's been for a long time, actually. Yeah, right. Probably since the podcast. Probably since the podcast. Maybe just getting it all off my chest helped. <laughs> <laughs> Having a bit of therapy session, but... Um, That's right. But no, nah, overall, overall pretty good. How the fuck are you, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'm good. I'm good. I had a lovely weekend. Uh, my university uh, studies kicked back off again today, mm-hmm. so... I'm in week one of 13. Uh, my my subject that I'm studying this time is consumer psychology mm-hmm. and uh, all about how people buy and sell. Very good. It should be interesting. How are you finding being a student again? I, I feel it. I feel it's quite humbling. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's definitely grounded me a lot. Yeah. And I don't think that this is going to be the end of what I'm studying. I think I've got two. Le- I've got two more subjects left. So mm-hmm. six months mm. left. I can only handle one subject because, mm-hmm. you know, Apparently, I've got on my plate a lot on my plate. <laughs> I think in terms of um, what I want to study next, I think I'm going to go back to the pain side of of science. Okay. I don't understand. I don't. Um, I don't uh, know yet mm. what I've. I haven't decided is the word I wanted to use. Mm. Um, what I'm going to be doing yet, but I don't think this is the end of my study. Mm. Yeah. Very good. I'm going to keep going. Very good. So yeah, that's that's my check in. Awesome. We had a great uh, chat last time. Uh, I even I even listened back, and although I cringe when I hear oh myself, my God. I've listened to it back once. I think, and that'll be the <laughs> that'll be the only time I listen to it back. I think yeah. there were there were some really good valuable lessons, and I really hope that the people listening got a lot out of it. Mm. I certainly did. Mm. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I've I've had, spoken to a few people in the last week who've listened to it, and uh, it's funny how people t- have taken different things from it that. I didn't. I didn't expect people would take from it, but um, yeah, it was. It was good. Like just, I guess, getting my story um, across, and yeah, hopefully there was a couple little nuggets to take away about chronic pain and through my experience of it. Um, it's funny. Like I sometimes don't see myself as a chronic pain sufferer, but I mean, on paper, I definitely am. So, um, but yeah, I think hopefully, um, hopefully there was a few good takeaways there. I think uh, the first thing I guess I covered was about you know mindset around chronic pain and. Uh, probably the biggest lesson f- for me and hopefully some you know some people got some takeaways from this was uh, not expecting a fix mm, so big one. stop uh, if, if it hasn't been fixed yet then stop expecting it to happen and f- I guess turning your mindset away from fixing and more towards managing yes uh, I think it's a super important uh, thing for people who have chronic pain to recognize um, yeah. in saying that though mm. I, I also think it's a good lesson for people that not don't all don't have chronic pain. Mm. If you had an injury, it's probably not your last injury. Yeah, hundred percent. To think that you go through life uninjured, mm. I reckon probably one percent of my oh. patients. Like yeah. I've heard it a couple of times. I've never had an injury, mm. but if you ask ten people on the street whether they've had an injury or not, mm. I'd say the large majority would have had yeah. something. Or or just like a niggle, right? Like if you ask anyone at any point 
in their life like if you've got a niggle at, at, you know right now yeah. like if you ask me that right now i've got i've got a little golfer's elbow going on i've got a oh, little no. <laughs> i've got a little tendinopathy going on in my shoulder i've got my knee what does golfer's elbow come from oh man hitting a lot of balls yeah right <laughs> yeah right so you, um what, what do you how is that yeah quite an athletic thing to do is yeah. it well it is actually <laughs> yeah. we won't go into this right. though <laughs> i'd feel like it would uh, be about as difficult as holding this microphone up. you reckon yeah <laughs> you'd be sadly mistaken <laughs> But um, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but there's uh, yeah, like I mean, there's always stuff going on. You know, there's um, everyone's always got niggles. It's just, I mean, how how major you let them get, you let them get, and inside your mind, exactly, hundred percent, agreed, right. agreed. Um, probably the next, I guess, part was um, a, for I guess people in chronic pain being able to set out a plan. So um, being able to. Uh, yeah, just create a good management plan and um, whether that be involving a physio, a doctor, um, a personal trainer um, and just, I guess, that, that that's more the details of it. So, mm. figuring out uh, what you need and when you need it and how often you need it and um, how you're going to get from point A to point B. That was a huge one, wasn't it? That takeaway, the point A to point B. Yeah. Um, that has been a game changer for me in practice mm. with helping patients to realize exactly what they're moving towards mm. And where to start from. Yeah, for sure. And then the other thing is probably practitioners can take it away as well. Like making or allowing patients to realize um, that they have made progress. Like if you've got even the same amount of pain, but you're doing more, that's still progress. Mm. And if you've got less pain and you're doing more, that's that's great progress. So, mm. But sometimes like when you're dealing with someone who has, has chronic pain and it's a there's a long way between A and B, yep. making them realize, you know, point A, point one or you know just yeah, like small yeah. steps along the way where you're, where you're working towards little milestones hmm. 100% that's a big one awesome yep and the third one was stop flaring it up oh yeah the positive association with the yes. problem mm. yeah so stop uh, yeah setting boundaries around what you should be doing uh, I think uh, yeah just not not constantly living within an inflamed aggravated joint is yep. super important because the more it's pissed off the more you're just going to have a negative mindset around it because um, it's always it's always cranky, right? So yeah. yeah, you need to know what your thresholds are at any given point and just respect them. Um, but you know, flirt with them a little bit, but respect them. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's funny how if with training mm. when when you're just in a strength and conditioning program, mm. it's the same. It's the same principle mm. of training towards the threshold. The idea is to is to train to what the capacity of your muscle group. Mm to that capacity yep. if you can train towards that capacity that's where the benefit is mm. if you don't train if you train too far you know on the safe side towards away from the capacity mm. you don't get the benefit yeah and if you train over the capacity mm. we get an injury do you see more of a tendency with chronic pain to more so be a little bit shy with flirting with that threshold or definitely that, yeah probably uh, me too, i yeah. think we've we've got to get around the idea that rehab isn't going to be painful Mm. there's got to be some and when i say painful i'm not talking about oh this is excruciating Mm. we need to know that that three to five three to four Mm. out of ten mark of pain Mm. for me is acceptable as long as as long as it's not getting more and more sensitive Mm. and as long as um as long as you're also not getting frustrated with that Mm. low level of pain yeah for me, three or four out of ten pain during training uh, or rehab, I should say, I would call acceptable. Mm. 
there's um there's some research to back that up as well. Like there's some new patellofemoral pain research which shows yeah four out of ten rehab is more effective than zero out of ten pain rehab. So mm. yeah, like bring uh, I think more some, effective, more effective. Yeah. So like I think if you if you're constantly avoiding pain in rehab and training, um, you might be leaving some results um at the door a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's um that's like a nice little wrap up of the other thing is yeah. that rehab should be should in some cases feel like a workout. Hundred percent. Yeah. Shouldn't be yeah, like towel squeezes and pink theraband shoulder external rotations. Exactly right. Mm. I really do advise a lot of my patients to do their rehab at the gym mm-hmm. when you're motivated and it should feel like a really solid warm up. Really solid. Mm. Sweat should be coming. Yes. Out of your forehead. <laughs> out of your crevices. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure where I was taking that. I wasn't sure either. <laughs> so, so, okay, let's move on. <laughs> so, what have we got, mate? we got Q&A. Q&A. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Okay, so, there were uh, several questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do encourage more and more people to ask us questions um, as we're going to answer them now. Mm. Um. I think we've got one, two, three, four, five questions. Let's do it. I don't think there. I don't think there's anything too in depth. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed living with chronic pain mm. has has it affected your relationship with fan, friends and family? And if so, in what way? Mm. I would say it probably has. Uh, I think I'm not as nice a person when I'm flared up, and I think everyone probably isn't. Um, I think my wife can probably attest to that as well. Uh, but she she's actually commented like a lot lately that I don't whinge about my knee as much. Um, but the I guess the the best thing about that is um, that you you you're, you become aware of that. But I would say indirectly, yes, it does affect uh, my relationship with friends and family. But a lot less now that um, I've become to accept it. And um, yeah, so I would say yes indirectly, but um, these days a lot less. But when I'm in a flare up. Um, Definitely, I'm a bit bit crankier, a bit moodier, and probably of all people, um, my wife notices that the most because she spends the most time with me. Um, cool. So, that's question one. Perfect. What about... What helped you move from frustration to acceptance? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I guess moving from frustration to acceptance with chronic pain is a huge step. Um, I guess how we would define this would be going from a place where you just, I guess, uh, have the shits with your pain all the time <laughs> to getting to a point where you um, where you accept it and you learn how to manage it uh, a little bit better. Um, I think this happened probably for me once I started to uh, develop a plan around how I was going to manage it a little bit better. And um, this allowed me to have less stress involved with the pain and in turn made me accept um this is what it's going to be and i've got to i guess develop a plan to get on top of it and that's like we spoke about in the podcast that's where you know i came up um i guess with a little bit more of a management plan and yeah i think that's probably where i came to accepting it so it was those rational conversations that you would have with colleagues that's right yeah like i had obviously the conversation with Corey and with yourself and um because I guess pain makes you irrational and even even myself as a physio, um, it does, even though, you know, I obviously know what I'm talking about, it does create irrational thoughts in my head and um, yeah, yeah, it's good to have someone bring you back to earth a little bit and, and sit you down and say, look, um, you know, this is what your plan's going to be going forward and 
this is the best way we go about it. Pain is an irrational process, and I think mm. that uh, allied health, in general, mm. and I, I might be a little controversial saying this, mm. but allied health in general tend to rationalise this irrational process a little too much, where they're trying to create a system mm. around something that's chaos. Mm. The patient is going through a unique chaotic process mm. and we're trying to categorize that. Mm. You've gone through an irrational process and only had that rational conversation when you were ready. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. You, you, gotta can't, be re- you can't expedite that without you being ready. You got to be ready. And then again, like if someone tried to have a rational conversation with me when I was in an irrational sort of mindset, when I was, you know, um, trying all these different things to fix my knee like PRP and surgeries and um, all these things. I, I probably wasn't ready for it, so you'd probably brush yeah. it off or exactly. get annoyed with someone for because I was still looking for a, I was still looking for a fix at that time mm. um, when it wasn't there. So yeah, nice. Mm. Um, does seeing patients does seeing patients suffer severe acute sporting injuries like you did cause you to worry about them having potential chronic pain down the track? So okay, so do it, I guess it does in a way like. For I, I've found with acute injuries, um, especially sporting injuries, I'm I've I'm probably very thorough with like how I assess them and um, go about their early management. So, for example, like a, a an acute ACL, or if I suspect like a, a patella dislocation, say for example, or a shoulder dislocation, I always image them. Um, I always get them to get an early MRI obviously if I suspect an ACL but um, even like with patellas and things like that because mm. I think that's interesting I think you want to definitely clear some of the biggest stuff that can go wrong with these injuries for example like cartilage injuries sure which is what I had when I was when I was younger mm. sometimes I feel like these injuries may be under imaged a little bit um, and then you might miss some of the more severe injuries that could happen, e.g. like cartilage injuries and things like that. So I think it has changed my management of acute injuries in that I'm probably a lot more thorough to make sure I um, cross all the T's and dot all the I's yep. and make sure that they're in the right place and they don't need to be going to see an orthopedic specialist before they see me. The BPS guys, yeah. so the biopsychosocial guys, mm. would be up in arms in you sending people off for MRI. Oh, no, yeah, that's yeah. right. Because it'll come back with all these irrelevant findings and yes. <laughs> so what do you scary say? What, words. What, what do you say, what do you say uh, <laughs> in response to that? Oh, look, there's definitely a time and place for that. and um, But you've got to just use your logical mind as well. Like, I mean, acute injuries are acute injuries. And um, especially in the younger population, if you're... If you're missing them, you know, then you can create lifelong problems for these people. Um, if you've got a 16-year-old, 17-year-old kid who's um, had a knee injury and you suspect, you know, whatever, a meniscus or whatever it is and you miss a cartilage injury, that doesn't get imaged until 10 years later and now they've got, you know, full-blown yeah. arthritis, then, you know, that's on you. That could have been an early intervention Yes. and, you know, not being as big of an issue. Um, so, yeah, it's... So, it's almost like ripping the Band-Aid off early Yeah. so that you can solve the problem early Yes. rather than telling them and empowering them that, that everything is going to be okay mm. and that you're not broken yeah. and like, ha- you know, all these empowering sort of um, mm. words mm. to use, mm. that can sometimes lead someone down a path where now they've got irreparable damage because yeah. you didn't scan them early because mm. you're too scared to create nocebo effect. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, and then like also maybe worried about the patient spending 300 bucks on an MRI, but that's better than 
you know, ten years down the track, having yeah, I've I've never regretted sending for someone for an no, MRI never. ever. No, and that's after ten years, mm. not once. And and don't get me wrong, I've decided to not send someone for an MRI mm. for the purpose of making sure it's not nosoboic. Mm. But most of the time, where I have sent, mm. I actually can't recall the time where I regretted sending out someone for that MRI. Yeah, for sure. I think it's um, it's definitely something that practitioners probably worry a little bit too much about but you just have to be thorough with these um with these patients yeah early on yep. i reckon nice and obviously there's a that there'd be a discussion there between acute versus chronic as mm. well like if you're acute injury mm. the likelihood of you sending for an mri would might be higher than mm. someone coming in with chronic pain which we know chronic yes. pain exists in the brain more than it does in the tissues correct yeah shit we've got five minutes left i know fuck we're flying through i don't know if we can actually answer all the questions <laughs> We've, knowing, covered a, we've covered a fair bit there. Want to go one more? One more. Yeah. Knowing what you know as a physio, is mm-hmm. there anything you would do differently? Mm. Yes. <laughs> and okay. that probably blends into the last question a little bit. Like um, probably early management would have done a little bit differently um, to, yeah, maybe try to preserve my cartilage. But on, on I guess, the pain side of things, I would have um, just been in the mindset I am now earlier. So like I'm 27 now. If I adopted this mindset when I was 22, but I didn't know what I know now when I was 22 as well. Well, yeah. And um, yeah, I probably would have been, uh, I guess, come to the point of acceptance a lot earlier with my pain, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm sure that there are lots of key takeaways there for people that are in pain. The next component we have is... Oh, the vent. The vent. <laughs> now, I've got to keep this quick because, uh, you know, we've got, we've, we're a bit... Uh, we, we want to make these sessions short, don't we? <laughs> so we might as well put the timer on. <laughs> is this is this where is this where I have a vent? Let's go a one minute timer, and I want to hear your thoughts on our first vent topic, which is practitioners opening clinics too early in their career. Okay, starting. Oh, okay, I'll do a bit of a t- a bit of a, a bit of a countdown. <laughs> starting in five, four, four, three, two, one, go. Robert Gerber, the uh, the author of the E Myth, is um, someone who talks about that people go off and open up businesses reactively, not to, not because they have a grand purpose to solve, but more because they have they are trying to solve the problem of the shit boss. Mm. Now, that was me. Like I had a really tough boss. I hated it, and I left, and I opened up Balance Health and Performance, and it was not because I wanted to make a difference to people's lives. It's because I wanted to be my own freaking boss. I thought I was liberated until I created my own problems. It comes down to the fact that people are opening up clinics before they are ready. They don't. They they look at opening up a clinic as career progression. To do that, you need to learn how to have conversations, which you can't do before you're 30 years old, really, or 28, or a lot of personal development involved. Shit, 10 seconds. Um, <laughs> there's an excessive focus on patients and a lack of an infinite purpose, like making a difference to people's lives. It's more like, let's open up 10 clinics. Um, unfair expectation. Okay, time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a lot of words. <laughs> well, that was, that was a vent. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like I only just Nick's, got started. Nick's, uh, Nick's face has just gone a nice shade of red. Like, a, like, an, in, like an inflamed <laughs> There's emerald. steam coming out of his ears. <laughs> and there's a nice vein that's appeared on his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, guys, really consider whether you're opening up a clinic before you're ready. 100%. Okay, moving on. Cool. Woo. Should we move straight to Mythbusters? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Mythbusters. So this is 
probably it's more a Cairo thing, I guess. Yep. I think probably I don't hear it as much as, as maybe the Cairos do, but my blank fills out. My pelvis fills out, my hip fills out, my oh, yeah. my neck fills out. So I did a I did a uh, a little IGTV with Tom DeJersey the other day and he brought up this question of what does this mean? Um, there's been a big thing about people getting re-educated mm. and pushing marketing towards education, which marketing, that's not, mm. marketing isn't education, mate. Mm. Education is education. But teaching patients to, they all the patients are doing saying that I feel out, they are just telling you how they feel. Mm. Why are we trying to change what they say, but instead why can't we just help them interpret it differently? Mm. Why can't they say, I feel out? What's wrong with that? Mm. But because, because that's how they feel. Yeah. So if, if, they, if they, us educating them to say something different would be them not telling us how they feel. Mm. So I suppose my issue with, with the allied health profession right now, pushing people to, to educate the patients to not say this, frustrates me because the patients are coming in asking for your help. Mm. That is something we need to honor and it's actually the meaning we've put on it. Mm. Truth is, we know we don't put anything back into place, do we, Jack? No. And I think my, my sort of take on it, and as I said, like I, don't, I probably don't get it a whole lot. Um, I think some people might have the perception that adjustments do put things back into place. I think that's just the... Well, that's how it feels, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But I think the, the whole thing comes from, I mean, a, a body part probably just feels unstable. And, you know, that, that's probably why they say it fills out. And I guess it's also probably the patient looking for some external control of their issue. So, it, okay. I mean, if something fills out... I need you to put it back I in. I need you to put it back in. Okay. Whether they mean that, um, you know, if they actually mean that um, logically or if they're sort of, you know, just saying it they is another need a story. Or something. They need an external locus of control, I think, on their pain and, and mm. you're the one. So Yeah, right. Yeah. Which is which is an unhealthy relationship long term. Yes. I was having a discussion with a, a young new grad the other day about well, the idea to solve this feeling out is to move. Now, mm. we've released a blog about this last week. It's all about movement. If you can move the areas that you need to move, then this feeling won't won't necessarily be there as, as often. Now, mm. um, the idea comes down to if I've got a patient who constantly feels like they need things put back into place or constantly feels out, I have no issue treating them every single week until they get their act together mm. to exercise if it means that I get an opportunity on a weekly basis to educate them mm. to the point where they actually do what's good for them. Mm. For me, that's a success, mm. even if they are dependent along the way. If I can help some, if they didn't see me, what's the likelihood of them exercising without the education mm. or of them having a healthier habit without the education? Mm. So for me, I would much prefer a patient coming to me saying that they're out mm. I put things back into place, mm. so, you know, conceptually, mm. but educate them along the way mm. so that they can eventually freaking get to the gym mm. or do 10,000 steps a day or eat healthier so that these types of problems actually start to eradicate themselves over time. Yeah. So really, we're not playing the long game as, there, as, as, as in, in, this, in our profession right now. We're playing the short game, trying to tell them to stop saying I feel out mm. and stop depending on me. I have no issue with dependence until you can stand on your own two feet and you've got the tools you need to look after yourself. Mm. 
yeah, a bit of advice and education can definitely happen with a little net crack along the way. So That's it, man. Yeah. Especially like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Nice. <laughs> uh, cool, uh, that's Mythbusters. Oh, so we're finishing with a Mills joke. All right. Load her up, mate. You know, my cat. My cousin, he wants to go for um, um, a prostate cancer, and I told him to go and see the doctor. And the best, the best results you can get when he sticks his finger up your backside. He said, "What?" He said, oh, "Okay, well, well, it's gotta be done." So he went and told the doctor. Um, I came for a prostate test. He said, George, you know the procedure? He said, yeah, my cousin told me. Uh, you're going to stick your finger up my ass. He said, yes. Well, he said, look, I've got an idea. Put two fingers up my ass. No, he said, one, one is sufficient. No, 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 I, I insist I want second opinion. <laughs> second opinion. <laughs> uh. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't want to go to the doctor that that bloke went to. Jesus. Far <laughs> out. He's a good storyteller, Emil. Uh, he's, 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 he gave me another two over the weekend. Yeah. Did he? And the Tarzan, oh, the yeah. Tarzan one's coming up, yeah, guys. There's Love some crackers it. coming up. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, obviously, this is our this is the wraps up our first talking smack with Nick and Jack. Uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. Yeah, thank you, guys, and we will be back next week uh, for the next episode, which is next episode is game day with Karen Lyle, mm-hmm. ultra marathon runner. She is a beast of an athlete, and uh, we pretty much recap. We talk about how she's gone through the in preparation for an event mm-hmm. and how to how to work with allied health professionals in the lead up to that. Uh, it's a good one. Good yeah, one. Great one. Stay tuned, guys. We will see you then. Any feedback, anything you want to tell us, if you want to reach out to us, let us know. We are here. We're always talking here. Have a great week. Ciao.